Yeah, Tommy Lewis. Coming to us today from London, England. He's a run coach, a former military brat. It seems like we're learning something about these former military brats. They tend to be good ultra runners, or at least the flexibility that comes with an upbringing like that allows them to endure things that maybe someone like me uh, doesn't have in the toolbox yet. We have some aha moments today. Tommy talks about making it to Narnia. He talks about holding seriousness and playfulness and tension with one another and calling upon each of them when the time is right in your ultra effort. I can't tell you how helpful today's conversation has been for me and my pursuit. Enjoy. All right, we're live. It's the DFL before DNF podcast. It's uh, sort of the, the rallying cry of the Borderlands community, or so I think, uh, where we, we are more concerned with finishing than we are uh, with, you know, let's say even doing well. We want to do well, but sometimes at these longer distances, finishing really is the definition of doing well, regardless of what it looks like, of how sloppy it is. Um, and so the, as this discussion goes on, as I make my way toward my 900 miler, I'm just seeking wisdom from anywhere I can find it, from anybody who will talk to me, uh, from anyone who's done hard things uh, in the space of running. I'm just having all the conversations I possibly can. And uh, today is no different. I, I came across Tommy on uh, Instagram. You know, I, I probably eventually will look back on these podcasts and laugh at myself, but there's just so much running that happens on Instagram that I've, I've learned so much stuff about running and, and learned of so many interesting people that, um, you know, right now I may date myself and feel old as a 41 year old, but the, you know, social media, Instagram really does know, uh, what I'm going to like. And I wonder if I would like it regardless of Instagram served up to me, but Instagram started serving me Tommy stuff. I don't know how long ago now, a few months ago, and even just in that time, just seeing him sort of blow up on uh, in, in terms of how many followers that uh, his account has got. Um, but I just I enjoy the I enjoy the content, and it's not even because he has an accent that's different than mine, though it does help. I'm sorry, that's Ameri- an American cliche that we love the British accent. But uh, Tommy, welcome. I'm glad that you're here. Thank you so much for having me. You know what? I have been listening to your podcast for a few months. When you hit me oh. up, I'll, uh, it was oh. surreal. Well, right on. Well, yeah, thanks, yeah. man. I, I appreciate that. Uh, tell Where are you at right now? I'm in London, so I'm in northeast London where I live here with my girlfriend. Um, okay. I live here, work here, train here. Okay. Is that, is that where you're from? I'm not from – no, I'm not from London. Um, so I moved to London about six or seven years ago. Um, yeah, around about seven years ago. Time flies. Okay. Uh, but I'm a military brat, so my – my oh. parents kind of moved around a lot uh, around the UK. Um, okay, I'm the fourth. I'm the fourth child, so I was born in. Germany. And the baby? Are you the baby? I'm the baby. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, once they had me, then they stuck around in the UK. So we didn't move. <laughs> it was less interesting, but okay. yeah, I've lived in. I've lived kind of all around, all around England, really. But yeah, huh. London's my home because as a as a military brat, you kind of move every two and a half years or so. So. Okay. So that's very much like a, an American military brat. Uh, you know, they're every two to three years uh, going all over the place. Is, yes. there any, is there any place in London? I mean, sorry, in, in the UK, outside of your last seven years or so in London, if I understood that correctly, that you've spent more time? Like, was there a particular place where you had high school or, you know, but, or was it always just two and a half years? Yeah. I mean, I spent, I spent a long time in, uh, in Oxfordshire in the Cotswolds. Okay. Um, which is where I went to school. So, uh, huh? as a military as a military kid, you get like a big bursary um, to be sent to boarding school. So I was sent off to uh, boarding school for a while. Um, in- but this is now this is the longest. London is the place I've lived the longest. Yeah. So, yeah. How does that feel? Like, uh, and and I ask that because we're in the process of um, you know gearing up to move to France, and I've got three kids, uh, four, seven, and ten. And, uh, you know, we kind of look forward to the idea of exposing them to new places and and, uh, and sort of like the destabilizing of that, hopefully in a good way. Hopefully, like, you know, mom and dad are there stabilizing, but we're, we, we're going to kind of go do some adventure stuff. H- how do you look back on 
all that moving around? Well, I think like when I talk to my siblings about it, we, well, I think a, a few of us anyway, we really feel like we have itchy feet. So I think hmm. <laughs> you, you uh, yeah, you just get used to moving and then, and actually your struggle is, is staying in one place for a long period of time. Once I get past like two years, I'm uh, I'm sick of a place. And I need to move. So I've, <laughs> I've moved even even in London, I've moved around. Like really, uh, um, yeah. Did um, you end up doing any military service? I did a little bit of like um, of like reserve reservist work. Yeah, whilst, okay. when I was when I was younger, I actually did want to join the military, um, mm-hmm. and then I realised I have a bit of a problem with authority. So. Uh, <laughs> It didn't, nice. really, it didn't, really, it didn't really suit me. Um, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> that's a very ba- I, I'm also the baby of the family, and I think that – I don't know that that's the only thing that contributes to it, but it absolutely contributes to it. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, you're in att- – I think – well, I can speak for myself. I'm a bit of an attention seeker. I think most will say that. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, okay, so – where where does running come in uh, to your life? I mean, were you were you a runner? And I, I, forgive me. I, in the UK, would you call it high school, like ages fifteen to eighteen, like whatever that is when you're in school? Are you running competitively then? Yeah. So we, I mean, we tend to tend to call it like secondary school. So yeah, okay, pri- yeah. primary school and then secondary school. Um, okay. I was I really wasn't actually. So I was I was uh, big into my rugby uh, as a yeah, kid growing nice. up. So from the age what of position like, did you play? I was a scrum half. So a scrum okay. half is uh, the position that is always shipping the ball out of the scrum. So if you ever watch rugby, wherever there's mm-hmm. a scrum or a ruck, which is just where there's a pile of men or women, if yep. you watch women's, uh, yep. the, pers- the, the little person at the back who like ships okay. the ball out, uh, that's nice. me. Okay. <laughs> so you always got to chase the ball. So actually, to bring it to running, I guess when it came to sport, I was always the one who kind of had the engine. I, I, I prided myself on you know, chasing the ball if I lost it. Um, mm. Scrum half, you're always following the ball, so you're probably running the most distance in a game, actually, now I think about it. So maybe that yeah. was the birth of my running career. <laughs> but I but I, I, I definitely was not a runner until I left school. So I was, okay. you know, obsessed with running, uh, obsessed with rugby, loved rugby, but I didn't understand running without chasing something. Like, why, why mm. would you run for the mm-hmm. sake of running? It made no sense to my uh, young mind. So, yeah, I left school. And I think, you know, when I left school, I had what we out here call a gap year. It's basically like a, a, a gap between your, uh, you know, your school career and, and then going to university if you do that. Um, is that a so common did, thing in the culture or is that just like some some do it, some don't? Some do it, some don't. It became really okay. popular like a few years ago to take a, take, take a gap. Um, yeah. I did that because... I didn't really know what I wanted to do with myself. So, yeah. Um, yeah, like in that time I was, I was working as a lifeguard and one of the, one of the like duty managers or whatever, he actually ran a triathlon business, like in a triathlon events business on the side. Okay. Um, it was a fairly successful local events business. Um, mm-hmm. he's like, you should do, you should do a triathlon. So, um, I started training for that and I kind of, I, I guess I've always, Although I didn't like running myself, I have always admired people who, um, like endurance people. Uh, there's yeah. something about endurance that hmm. makes me well up a little bit. Just the idea yeah. of someone pursuing something you can't see or understand. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. I got a little bit into triathlon, like dabbled in that. Um, and then I went to university and from university, basically I had a choice. I would, I, either I'd get back into rugby or I would carry on with this like new love I'd found for endurance sport in, in triathlon. Mm. And I don't know what the culture is out in the States, but here there very much is, I would say it's a problematic culture in university sport where you mm-hmm. have like initiations and okay. a very kind of laddish culture. And it's yeah. not just the, the, the men's sports that do it. The, the women do it too. It's kind oh, of really? very, okay. yeah, it's just a bit, it's not my cup of tea. Um, yeah. You know, forced is that to- equivalent to like here we might call it hazing. Is it like you, you, are, are you talking about like, for lack of a better word, like a, a, a sort of like the the seniority, the people with, like who are established there are kind of beating up on the 
the, the newcomers. Yeah. And like what happens okay. is, that, you know, what you might call the freshmen, we call them freshers. The yeah, freshmen okay. are always the victim to whatever the you know, yes. year above wants to uh, subject them to. And, okay. you know, they, they've got this resentment from the year before and they always want to up the previous year. So it happened to us. So yeah. it's going to happen to you. Anyway, yeah. I just kind of... I didn't really, that didn't excite me being part of that. I wanted to play rugby. I didn't want to, I didn't want to do that. So I basically had a choice. Either I'd join the rugby squad um, and go through all of that, you know, BS, or I would join the triathlon team. And the triathlon was, triathlon club was just, actually it was, it was novel to me. Um, Mm -hmm. It was something I'd found maybe a new identity in this kind of idea of endurance sport. Um, and they were just far more welcoming. Uh, they cared more about like mm. lifting each other up and, and there was respect. Yes. Like, if someone did an Ironman, it was just like, oh, awesome. If someone yeah. ran a marathon of whatever time, it was just like encouragement. Mm-hmm. So I definitely yeah. slotted into that group a lot better. Um, and I guess I really, through that, I, I enjoyed the pursuit of like hard things, like getting up super early in the morning for a two hour swim on a Wednesday. Um, I wasn't always there. I wasn't, at, you know, wasn't the most militant uh, trainer uh, or yeah. athlete, but yeah. I liked the pursuit of getting better at that. And it came kind of naturally to me. Um, I'm not like huge on cycling or swimming, um, but I really liked the the, the triathlon um, mm-hmm. vibe, really. And then from there, you know, once you start, I left university, and once you once you get busy, then doing three disciplines is a bit uh, a oh, bit man. different. So I I've, I've always admired, um, the Ironman, like the Ironman training. I, I, I can't even mm-hmm. fathom training three sports. Yeah. Like I think maybe one day I'll sort of get back into do, do something, but, um, yeah, it's just a lot, you know, when you're trying yeah. to balance everything. So yeah. it just became, yeah, two of the, two of the disciplines were dropped basically. Um, mm-hmm. and I still, you know, I'd still do a bit of bike packing every now and then. And I, I, you know, can swim if I'm cross training, I can, you know, triathlon club really taught me how to swim a lot better. So mm. definitely a better swimmer because of the three years I spent at university doing that. Um, yeah. But yeah. What running, did you study at university? Well, I actually was a, a, a lost sheep, didn't know what to do. I, I went to university thinking I would do like fine art. Um, yeah. But I thought that was useless. So I went mm. and did, an arguably more useless degree, and I did <laughs> history of art. So instead of instead of doing the art itself, I just like studied the history of it. So I don't know. You, you, At least with that you could teach it, right? Like, there's a path to teaching. I guess there's a path to teaching fine art too. But yeah, you know, anything. I don't know. Anything that seems non-transferable just leads to a path of teaching that non-transferable. That's right. Right. Um, it's like a closed circuit of like people who get certain degrees become teachers and they teach the people that are eventually going to be teaching the thing. And it's like, yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) Not to shit on those people too much, but there's this reality of like, and maybe we're just saying similar. Like I'm looking for something like I can go practically do in the world and uh, the cycle of teaching, learning, teaching, learning, which I'm a learner. I love to learn, but sometimes that just feels like uh, not, not my place. Yeah. The idea of staying in school, an environment that I didn't generally like, uh, mm-hmm. for the rest of my life as my workplace was yeah not not something not, that excited me yeah. but you know I think like at the end of the day to be honest with you I've always been quite lost in in that sense like I've never really known like what I've wanted to do um yeah you know I've always had itchy feet um very interested in a lot of things but I've never been like yeah this is the thing like I've got loads mm. of real hobbyist I love like loads of different stuff yeah um, and that, that rings true, like over my career so far, um, you know, I'm, I'm only really staying in jobs for like a year and a half, two years, and I get bored and move on to another thing. But yeah. I've definitely used my 20s well in that sense, like just moving yeah. around. But yeah, um, but yeah, I d- definitely didn't know what I was going to do. And, you know, funnily enough, I, I sort of used joining the army as my as my crutch because I didn't know what I was going to do with my degree. And then when yeah. I realized I didn't really like that idea, I kind of left into the the world was kind of my oyster, but I didn't see it like that. I didn't, mm. I just didn't know what I was going to do. So I just yeah. fell into different sales roles. Um, mm. But running has always been 
like an anchor for me in those lost times, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. Huh. A way to clear I the can head. See that. All right. So are, are you in a sales job now? Yeah. Yeah. So I work for a, I work for a tech company in sales. Okay. Um, you know, it's not the lifelong dream, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I get it. And I see your personality there, like well-suited for sales, like just in terms of, you know, being conversational and, you know, able to engage. And I think that's also like why your Instagram is so interesting, uh, you know, and, and the way that you sort of break things down into maybe even just to say like the way you break down what's on your mind, the stuff that I've particularly engaged with is just like you saying, you know, talking about different things within the run, within the discipline of running. And it's kind of just what's on your mind, but you break it down like super digestible. And I imagine that that's also probably why you're good at sales. Well, I appreciate that. Like that's the, that's the aim. You know, I, I, um, was never, never big on, on, never big on social media or on Instagram, that sort of thing, but there's definitely power in it. Um, yeah. you know, and there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff out there. I mean, running influences are, a, it's a saturated space. Um, yeah. what I saw about two years ago was that everyone's just talking about themselves. You know, everyone's <laughs> just talking about how great they are and what they've done. Um, yeah. Which is cool, and there's there's a time and place for that. Like, sure, there's a, absolutely. There's a place for inspiration and motivation, and you know, if you if you're doing impressive things, like say, talk about yourself. But what I really wanted was to provide something that I wish I had. So, mm-hmm. you know, I I was always someone who you know I found running when I left school. Um, it was something that I um, I never really knew how to train properly. Um, I always ran into injuries. I uh, was always, you know, in that gray zone, running too hard, running too fast. Um, and just didn't really know how to manage it. I think I probably got away with things in my early twenties cause I was spongy and young and could bounce back. But reality is that, you know, you can run into these injuries. Um, yeah. it wasn't until maybe five, four or five years ago that I really started learning as much as I possibly could about, well, I admitted that I was a runner for start. Okay. Uh, yeah. I heard you say something in that vein. You said, uh, that you go to the gym so that you don't look like a runner. There's something along the lines of you want to be a runner, but you go to the the gym so you don't look like a runner. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's some vanity in that. There's some vanity in that. But I did, you know, in my rugby days, I would, I would, I learned how to kind of with strength and conditioning. I learned how to get stronger. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. I've always enjoyed the gym. So I'm fortunate in that sense. Maybe I'm a rare kind amongst runners because I think there's, there's, it's definitely common for runners to you know, think they don't need the gym. Um, yeah. Yes. I, I enjoy, I enjoy the gym environment really for the most part. Um, what's, what's your case for runners and the gym? Like for me, you're right. It was a long time where it was, um, you know, that I never touched the gym. And then I kind of came to this conclusion, you know, anecdotally on my own and from paying attention to other people that if all you do is run, you're never going to be strong enough to run. <laughs> Yeah, or like to do the to do the hundred mile or to do like these long distances. So I had to get into the gym. But what's what's your connection? What's your case for for the gym and runners? Well, you know, like over the last two years since I've been trying to post and help people with their running and and try and offer value, you know, I've been fortunate enough to have a lot of people um, message me, ask questions in the comments. I try and respond to as many comments as I can. uh, Respond Mm -hmm. to almost every message, um, unless they're trying to sell me something. Um, <laughs> a lot of the questions, you know, they're around an injury, they're around a, a, you know, a problem they've got, whether it's shin splints or it's a hip issue or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, almost a hundred percent of the time, you know, if I ask like, what are you doing in the gym? It's, it's nothing. Right. So right. you have an, if you have an issue, um, and you're not trying to strengthen your body to deal with the high impact that is running. That's yeah. probably your answer. Hate to tell you it, but your answer is you're you're not strong enough. And mm. a lot of the time, injuries happen because you're weak in whatever area that injury is in. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. I know this in personal experience. Um, I run into an injury, and for me, it's like that's an indication of where I'm weak or where I was mm. weak, and I didn't realize. Um, so it's like a lesson learned. Um, but yeah, definitely, you know, my case for strength training would be that. Ultimately, we now live lives that are very different from, you know, 
let's say our ancestors who were always on their feet, not sitting on chairs, not kind yeah. of sitting on sofas. Um, and they would run a lot, but they'd also do a lot outside of their running. We yeah. are very different in that sense. We um, will, for me, you know, I have a desk job. Mm-hmm. I unfortunately have a standing desk, which is great. Yeah. But a lot of the time I'm sat down, you know, I'm not doing much. And then you'll go out for a mad run. Um, and you're expecting your body to be able to deal with uh, what you're trying to put it through. Yeah. Um, there are some who really get away with very little strength training, lucky for them. There are some who don't. Um, but I think everyone needs to implement some sort of functional strength training that actually kind of contributes to the very natural movement that is running um, and yeah. builds endurance, builds that strength. Um, and, you know, if you just want to get better, you want to run longer, uh, you know, you need that endurance. And mm-hmm. it's, the, it's the latter half of an endurance race or whatever yeah. race, whatever level you're at. It's the latter yeah. half where you, you lose your form. You yes. start running ways that really doesn't benefit your body. Um, and your, your body, your body uses the path of least resistance. So yeah. wherever there is like a, a weakness, if you're, if there's, you've got a weak muscle somewhere that's essential for good running form, your body yeah. will just sacrifice form to not use that muscle because it's weak. <laughs> yeah. So you want to, you want to make sure everything is strong so that mm. when you're in those last stages, you've got good form because all of the muscles you've trained up have that endurance. Mm. And so you're not going to have those injuries because you're not running in a weird way and that sort of thing. So there's a yeah, case. I was about to ask a, a question that now feels obvious after you say that, but it's like late race. I'm, I'm very much like this, like trying to get to the hundred miles. And I think, my question was going to be, well, if I'm stronger, would I stay up? And I'm thinking, well, of course, <laughs> like based off what you're saying, it's like this happens because what, what you're saying, if I'm hearing you correct, like yeah, your muscles have sort of like given up or there's just not, there's nothing left in them. And so they it's just, so just stuff starts to go like my core is pretty strong. So my core never really goes anywhere, but my shoulders and in the middle of my upper back, those are the things that just, you know, are an awful pain. Let's say starting 40 to 50% of my way through a 50 miler or a hundred miler. Oh man, I'd absolutely argue that running is a full body sport, especially ultra running, Um, especially the really long stuff where you're carrying a lot of weight. But even if you know, yes, you're doing a mountain race of like a hundred plus K, um, you know, more than sort of 60, 80 miles over the mountains and you're carrying a lot, you're going to need that upper body strength. Um, And it's, you know, it's for, it's for those endurance reasons. Like, you know, I did, um, I did Val, Val CDH, mm-hmm. which is a UTMB race, um, yeah. you know, in the, in the Spanish Pyrenees, um, oh, man. <laughs> the last, awesome. the last like 5k, do you know what, man, that's just, this is so hard. So in the yeah. mountains, obviously sound echoes across the mountains. <laughs> so sure. You've got the, you've got the famous bell at the end of this UTMB race and okay. you can hear it in the valley in the ta- like down in the bottom of the valley in this town and you can hear it ringing and you're thinking, I must be close. You know, oh, this, no. you can yeah. hear it ringing, but you're actually yeah. about 10 kilometers away. You know, you could sit <laughs> the table. Yeah. And so you go and like, it's, it's, the sound's not even getting closer and everyone's finishing and ringing this bell. And I had the most excruciating pain in my core. I just mm. like, wouldn't expect that I had this core, back, but it just completely debilitated me. I couldn't run because I, you know, it was all downhill, but I just, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't oh. run. I was running like 10 steps and I was like, I can't, like my core is so weak. And so, you know, from that race, I made it to the end, but from that race, I was like, you know what? Hmm. Core, that's my focus. I need to strengthen my core because a lot yeah. of runners, they, they neglect that. Um, but yes. ultimately you, when you're lifting and driving with your knees um, and you need those stabilizers, yeah, that core, mm. core strength is is huge. Um, so it's not just not just in the legs. So so you come back from from that race, uh, and you're going for strengthening your core. Um, I mean, just practically, how did you do it? Like, what what were you doing? What was the stuff that gave you the most bang for your buck, so to speak? You know, I think like keeping it simple is really important. Um, I think just a lot of, a lot of kind of plank work, but also leg raises. So, Mm -hmm. you know, a ton of kind of hanging from a bar and, and lifting those feet. 
uh, you know, with, with completely straight legs, lifting them up and mm. rolling them down. Just a ton of that is going to really help. Yeah. Uh, whether it's just driving with, with bent knees or whether it's, you know, yeah. with full strength, like uh, full straight legs, just having that, um, at the start of your workout is really important. The reason I say start of your workout is, uh, I've seen often people kind of, they'll, they'll do some core stuff at the end. Um, yeah. which is great. You know, if you're, if you're pretty dedicated, you can do some good core stuff at the end, but I don't know about you, but at the end of my workout is, it's pretty tough to like get something done. Uh, I might sure. skip a set or just sort of, you know, oh, yeah. finish a couple yeah. reps, a couple reps shy, but if you're yeah. nice and like pumped, if your focus is your core, I would mm. say start, start your workout with the core so that you're nice and fresh with that. Um, you know, and just do a lot of it, but it will strengthen. Um, it's, it's not too, yeah, it's not too complicated and crunching it right up um, as high as you can go. Um, mm. Yeah, but that's helped me. And I haven't had any core issues touch with since. <laughs> since. <laughs> we'll so see. when was that race in the Pyrenees? Was it 2021? Okay. I think it was 2021. Uh, or 22, yeah. Uh, yeah, a couple of years ago. Um, but that was my first proper 100, like north of 100 kilometers. Um, okay. So, uh, and it's a really tough one, actually. I think, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta forgive me for, you know, um, metric conversions, but, um, That's okay. it's, it, you know, ultra runners are the closest thing America has to someone who knows, like, <laughs> like we know kilometers kind of because we run 50 Ks, which is like 31 to 32 miles or maybe 33. I don't know. See, it already falls apart or a hundred yeah, K. Yeah. Um, I think in, in running, so. you get used to certain, certain distances. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, it's about six thousand four hundred meters of elevation gain. Um, okay. So, oh, yeah. nice. It's pretty. Dang. It's pretty good. Um, that's a beast. Yeah, that's what gets you right. I think like a lot of people that talk to ultra runners don't understand it's it's the vert that hurts. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, that was tough, and I remember coming into that really. I actually felt pretty strong throughout that race. Um, for the most part, uh, you know, I felt like I'd kind of paced it quite well. Um, yeah. and you know, never doubted necessarily that I would finish, but just didn't know how hard it could get. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that, so that was the, that was my entrance to like kind of really longer stuff. Um, longer yeah. than, yeah. Longer than just longer than a marathon. If, you, if that makes sense. So, so this is, this is an interesting thing I'm always curious about. So I live in Salt Lake city and, you know, 10 minute drive from my front door. I'm on a world-class mountain to run. Yeah. If you were in London training for that race, how are you preparing? How, how does a flatlander or a, someone just maybe with some rolling Hills prepare for a 6,500 meter gain race? Um, by getting used to really boring training. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's two parts to this. I mean, there's, or maybe three parts the, yeah. the first part is that, you might not actually sufficiently train properly. Um, right. At the end of the day, you're not going to have access to like proper mountainous terrain. And so there's an element of just accepting that there's grit required to get through these ultra races. Um, and if you're into that, then, you know, if you're a masochist like, like us, then uh, fine. Um, yeah. The second part is there, you know, there's a lot you can do within the gym, uh, you know, inclining, um, Inclining treadmills um, and sitting, you know, just going up for a long, long time. Um, mm-hmm. Billy and John A does that in the winter. Uh, so if he's yeah. doing it, then that's fine. Probably um, a good idea. And then the stepmaster, you got to make friends with the stepmaster, the, you know, the, mm. the stepper. Um, I really do think that's a great, a great piece of kit. So I'm starting to really get back. You know, I've been, been out. We can maybe talk about injury, but I've been out for, uh, a while now, so just getting back to it and spending a lot of time on the on the stepmaster. Um, but then it's just the third thing is just prioritizing trips to the hills. Um, mm. So making sure you know here in in, in the UK, um, you know we we obviously have Scotland. So if you can get up to Scotland, mm-hmm. great. Get up to Wales, amazing mountains in Wales. Yes, um, and then in, in England you've got um, you know the Lake District, the Peak District. So it is it's accessible, and actually when you think about you know, what's drivable. Um, what we, what we consider a long journey, you consider a short journey. So actually it's not as bad as you might think. Um, you can get, you know, you can get some serious hills within, you know, four hours. Okay. 
Yeah, that, yeah, that's that's not bad. I mean, yeah, there, there's this this reality that it, like if you're an aspiring mountain runner or you know trail runner, ultra trail runner, that you've got to just get to the mountain. You've got to get there to train. Like right. you can't just go from flatland to sixty five hundred meters and think that you're going to thrive. You have to. You have to absolutely. You have to. Um, you know, simulate that race environment as much as possible. Um, yeah. But you know, part 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 of what I'm like, I guess, is that. Um, what attracts me to ultra running is, is the grit of it all. It's the, it's discovering what is on the, on the other side of that really tough kind of situation. You know, for me, there's no doubt in my mind that I'm going to complete the race I sign up for. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it might be intimidating. It's not because I have an ego that says I am going to complete this. It's just that, that's absolutely my desire. That's absolutely the goal is to complete it. The training is just making it a little bit easier for myself. That's how I can mm. see it. Oh, that, that, that's interesting. So if you weren't training, you're still in your mind going to finish. It may just be like super ugly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's always ugly. You know, I've done, uh, <laughs> I've, done a few, I've done a few distances now that, you know, I've underestimated. Uh, and it's, I would genuinely say one of my hardest races was, um, uh, it was a 100k in um, kind of near where my parents live, actually in the southwest of England in, in Wiltshire. Um, okay, quite hilly, but not like a proper mountain race. We're talking just over a thousand meters of, of vert. Okay. So, yeah, um, you know, it's, there's hills, but it's a it's a it's a runnable 100k. So, you know, sort of 80 percent of it, I'm I'm running, um, and that was like the most painful. I was cramping up. I was, yeah. I was, you know, I just didn't manage my fuel properly. I went out the gates way too quick. Um, and I was arrogant about it. It was supposed to be a B race for UTMB, which, um, <laughs> you know, it was just, uh, and it was the hardest thing. It was like probably the first race where I was genuinely like on the cusp of crying about three quarters <laughs> of the way through. Um, yeah, I was, uh, I was not in the right place that day. And, and that mm. wasn't even, you know, the hardest ultra on paper that I've done. So, mm. um, some, you know, never underestimate an ultra. <laughs> yeah. So, so then here, here's the questions. This is where I get selfish. And that is like hearing you talk about, yeah, there's no question I'm going to finish it. You know, the, my training just helps me, helps me do that. Is that just who you are? Or is there something that you're able to tap into to get to that? Does that make sense? Like I talked to some of my friends who are former military or grew up on farms and it's just like, you don't start something that you're not going to finish like this. So you just finish and here's some ways to do it. But like what I, what I see is like some people, as I talk to more and more people, some people just, it's just born into them. Like I just, I just finish. It's what I do. I'm going to finish if I start it. Yeah. Yeah other people are like, you know, tapping into something. So I'm curious for you, like, are you tapping into something or is it just like your starting position is I'm going to finish? Yeah. Super interesting question. I mean, um, you know, a lot of like some, if you go on my like Instagram and TikTok and stuff, like actually a lot of the time I'm trying to tell people it's not that deep, you know, we're, we're just running. Like it's not like it doesn't have to be, Goggins level serious. Like you, you can, <laughs> right. you can, you can enjoy the process. It's better to enjoy the process. If, if, yes. if signing up for races is, is ruining the process for you, then, you know, don't sign up for those races. Like it's actually what's more important to me is that you show up every day as yes. a runner. Because for me, what's beneficial, you know, and why I run is because it makes me better today. I turn up yes. to work a better person today. I like mm-hmm. operate better today. I have an opportunity to clear my head. I'm, yes. I'm remaining healthy. You know, running to me is more than just completing races. Um, and so mm, leaning back and not taking it seriously is actually yeah. a super important aspect to things. Um, yeah. And on race day, when you're going to these ultras, like a good friend of mine, um, you know, and I can talk about stories where he's, he's DNF for certain reasons, but a good friend of mine talks about it being, um, you know, just another day out. You know, it's just, uh, it's just another day out enjoying the process. Like he'll wear, he'll wear stupid clothes, uh, like he'll wear like really not very conventionally sporty clothes just to try and take <laughs> seriously and that sort of thing. Yeah. And I love yeah. that. I really appreciate that. And, but you've got to have the ability, in my opinion, you've got to have the ability to marry two different personalities. Um, mm. you've got to find that dog. 
you've got to you've got to realize you know when it's important to get serious and sometimes it is important mm. to get serious um because <laughs> you know that's what it's about it's about finding your real like finding your real self in those hard times yes. um, and and getting past that wall um and instead of hitting the wall and just seeing a wall you're looking for the door and realizing that once you find that door and you open that door it's fucking narnia on the other side <laughs> you know and you don't realize you don't realize that there's 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 another there's a there's a whole other like unlock to your ability yeah. um yes yes and, and when you're in when you're in the pain cave when you're in that moment you mm-hmm. still haven't found that unlock so you yes. need to just remain in it and appreciate that at some point it will unlock um that's a really good that that's really good words for something that i i struggle to find words for sometimes but basically i say that like the actual accomplishment of the race is among the least important things that we're doing as ultra runners when we're out racing unless we're professional it's everything that you just said. It's like, we're looking for Narnia, you know, like, uh, and Narnia is something different probably to everybody, but it's that like, at least I'm going back again to the hundred milers because I'm trying to find, like, I'm trying to find that Narnia experience again of like, I I can do it. I could, you know, I have to really think about what it is for me, but that's it. But broadly speaking, and maybe this is just intuition. Like I connect with that statement. Like you push through it and you're in Narnia. That's the goal. <laughs> yeah, you know, like uh, I think of maybe this, is but you know, the Truman Show. Oh yeah, uh, not in theaters. So, yeah, so for anyone who's not watched it, you're too late. I'm going to do a spoiler. Uh, when he, finds, <laughs> you know, when he when he find when he sort of is is approaching the wall and he crashes into the edge of yes. you know, the Truman Show set, mm-hmm. and then he walks along and finds that door. And I think the beautiful thing about that film is you don't get to see him on the other side of the door. You know, he walks and, and, and that's his own thing. You know, mm. he, he finds that kind of access. And everyone, yeah. that's how I sort of see it is that, you know, you're actually very limited until you find that door. Uh, you know, you're, you don't really know what your potential is. And so your yeah. pursuit of finding that door and, and, sort of opening it and, and yes. opening up your mind to actually the reality of what you're capable of. That's why yes. I'm, you know, and that's why I've, you know, I found ultra running through a 50 K uh, in Scotland yeah. and then it, and it moved to, you know, a 50 miler and 80 K. And then we've moved on to the 100 Ks. Um, you know, trans grand Canaria last year was uh, the toughest, um, amazing, yeah, race. Cool. grueling yeah. race, tough terrain. Um, you know, that's where you, but, but I'm always trying to take it further. Cause I want to, I want that, uh, I want that unlock again. You know, it lasts, yeah. it lasts with you as well. You kind of take it home with you where you, you yes. feel a little bit more settled in yourself because you've, you've, you've unlocked something, I think. And, you know, absolutely. As long as you have the desire enough to really find that, um, yeah, you can dig a bit deeper, but you have to, mm-hmm. in order to find that the key and unlock that door, you have to find it, you know, the serious side of yourself. I don't think mm. anyone who's taking it lightly, you know, the whole day really is able to mm. like access that, that unlock, if that makes sense. Yeah. I've seen people at, anytime I see people at the starting line, let's say even of a road marathon, you know, where they're dressed funny or an ultra, like there's a iconic ultra here. I'm probably gonna get some details wrong. I think it comes around Halloween. And so everyone dresses up for it or a lot of people will. It's the, I think it's the Havilene hundred down in Arizona. I always think like, how, how are you going to be, how, how are you dressed like a unicorn? And like, what do you do with yourself when you're in the suffering? You really have to using your words now, take yourself seriously. And they do it. They do just fine. But from my perspective, it's like, I, I can't take myself seriously. It's just a funny juxtaposition that this world of endurance also has, you know, I know. Pe- people like that. I love it. I mean, you know, one of the big draws to, well, trail running, but ultra running, especially it is, I mean, everyone says it all the time, but it is the community is how supportive everyone is. Um, and I I don't think, I actually don't think you'll get very far if you're just serious the whole time. Uh, you have to, you have to take it lightly. You have to enjoy the process. You have to have a bit of banter, you know, throughout the, throughout the way, but you also have to be able to, uh, use 
use your serious self. And I think, you know, running is the great analogy of life, obviously. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you have to be able to get serious when it matters. Um, and like hmm. find it in you to, you know, have that integrity and, and, and follow through on the promise you made yourself. Um, and if you're serious enough about that, if you're serious enough about following through and, and no matter what, actually getting past that kind of, uh, yeah. pain cave that, that, um, the, the, the part that many people quit at, um, if you're serious enough, then the pain of like DNFing and leaving is mm-hmm. way more painful than actually going through, you know, just a bit of physical pain and, and, um, you know, the hallucinations or whatever that, that leads to the end. Um, the yeah. satisfaction of the end is far more satisfying, uh, than, whatever you're looking for in the respite or whatever it's 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 yeah. more satisfying than you know the, the, i'm trying to say the pain the pain of leaving is actually greater than yeah what you're going through all right i'm gonna quote something a buddy sent me but i have to look on my phone to get it right uh yeah, because yeah. he just sent this yesterday but it's in the vein of what you just said the headline is uh at the olympic trials marathon uh, DFL means pain over regret. So talking about like yeah. the willingness to stay in until the end, like your trade. So every, life is always about trade-offs. So shout out to Finn from single track for sending me that, uh, that the, it's always trade-offs. So what you're trading, you know, in the end is temporary pain over long-term regret. Yeah. Like being sure. able to stay in it, keep, keep your head in it. Yeah. And like, that's the serious side. But I know that, you know, I, I listen to you talk about, you know, your experience with the 100 miler and, you know, you may be less serious and, you know, pretty relaxed about your, your DNS. Yeah. And I think that's cool. I think like you're a humble guy and you're, you're like, look, I've, I've, uh, I've got these DNFs. But I think the my challenge to you actually would be, you know, I th- you've run longer distances than me, but my challenge to you would be, you know, what's are you, are you like wrapping up some sort of identity in that? You know, yeah. is there a, is there a level of actually I've got this narrative that is, I'm using your words, but you know, mm-hmm. the, I'm the worst hundred miler, you know, out there. I'm yet to be defeated on that. Uh, yeah. you know, seven DNS or this, how much are you wrapping up your identity with that? How much are you okay with that? Mm-hmm. Um, and actually how much do you want to let your serious side out and say, that's not okay anymore. We're going to, we're yes. going to say goodbye to that guy. Um, and we're going to actually override those stats with some, with some yes. serious completion um, and some yeah. self-pride and integrity. That That's so good. This, this has been a slow-moving aha moment for me over the course of the last few weeks. But it's – I mean I don't have a big ego. I don't mind a DNF. Mm-hmm. Um, what I love is this sport. And so it's like, okay, a DNF, my – back to the trade-off thing. I'm trading off you know, other things that I value – you know, I feel like, Hey, if I DNF this, what I'm valuing is my family or what I'm valuing is what I need to do the next week after the race. But, the the takeaway is that I don't have any, I, I need to put some ego into this. Like if I'm going to be serious about this, if I'm going to spend the money, if I'm going to train the way that I am right now in a, in a volume block, like I got to put some ego into this thing. Like it needs to matter if I don't, I, I've, I've brought this up a few times, but this dude, Ryan Cotton, He's not in Oregon. He's actually in Washington. I got it wrong previously. Um, I was like, how do you, I was asking him how he does it, just text exchange. And he's like, I talk a lot of shit. Like I, I make it to where if I don't finish, it's embarrassing. And I think, yeah. and a few other people have said that. And like what you're saying, it's like, Hey, you know, throw, throw your ego into this thing, like make it matter or, or, or what's the point. And as far as identity goes as being in this, it's like, there's part of the reason that from a business standpoint, I've kind of draped borderlands in this idea is because so often the people who DNF it's, it's been perceived as a failure and it is a failure to get to the finish line, but it's not a failure of all the bigger life stuff going on. And so part of it is like rallying all my people to be like, Hey, okay, we've DNF'd. It's fine. We're still, we still belong in the sport and let's still go for our big goals. But all that to say, I think you're spot on with your observation that that's, that's what's missing with me is throwing some, you know, making it matter, throwing some ego into it, making it to where I want to, you know, become 
a mediocre hundred miler instead of the worst hundred miler. Yeah, I think some some of the like smartest people I know have been able to somehow justify holding two, you know, contrary uh, viewpoints at the same yeah. time. And and yeah. for me, in, yes. in some ways, like with running, I am like that, or try and be like that with taking it uh, seriously when it matters, and also not taking it so seriously, so I ruin it for myself. And it's just mm-hmm. not really that deep. You're not that important. Um, it's not that important. Uh, it's actually ultimately all for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be able to somehow, and I don't, you know, there's no way of, I guess, describing how this is possible. It has to be like a journey of self-discovery, but you have to figure out when you find it in you to, to get serious um, and, yes. why, and also why you're getting serious about it. Yes. Like, for me, when I think about like, getting serious, when I think, you know, I've got a full-time job, uh, once training gets up to like serious levels, like where I'm trying to get a lot of volume in, you know, you're doing like, you're getting up before 5am to get, to get yeah. out, you know, before work. And, you know, especially in the UK, if you, you know, I would tell you about training for Trans Grand Canaria. It's a, it's a race in, uh, in February, uh, yeah. which happens to take place on my birthday. Uh, oh. <laughs> nice. Happy birthday, me! You know, suffering yeah. a lot. <laughs> you know, you're a real masochist when that happens. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So, but what that means is, like, the bulk of your training is happening through the British winter, which is just like gross, um, and it's right. very dark. And so, you need to find it in yourself. You need to find good reasons in yourself um, to be getting up at a stupid hour in the morning to be training yes. Um, yes. in a pretty unenjoyable environment. You know, oh. uh, London. Um, and for me, like. I tend to think of it rather than like discipline um, and finding the motivation. I try and think of it more about like integrity. Um, you know, if I was to make a promise to someone else that I would turn up and run with them at 5 a.m., mm-hmm. I would do that. I would be there because it's important mm-hmm. to me that I, you know, stay true to my promises. Um, and so why would I treat myself any different? You know, on that daily basis, I've made that yeah. promise to myself to get up early and, and run. You know, it doesn't yeah. mean I'm perfect all the time. I'm definitely not, you know, always getting up at the, as soon as I wake up, but yeah. it does help me to, to, you know, to think of that narrative as like, I'm actually, I've made that promise to myself. I'm going to do it. And I think that mm. happens all through a training that happens. And then on race day, I've promised myself that I will finish this race no matter what. And so I'm going to yeah. do that. And then that's the time yeah. to be stubborn. You know, you've got to be stubborn. Yes. Don't let any thoughts come in. And if you're really mm. pursuing I like a finish. If you're actually really trying to avoid a DNF, I feel like you have to be stubborn about it and you have to yes. be stubborn with yourself. Whatever narrative is coming in, whatever excuses posing themselves as reasons are coming in, you yeah. you have to say no to them and you have to say, we've already made this prom- promise, we've already made this commitment, it's happening, uh, whether you like it or not kind of thing. Man, that's, that's so good. And I think even just to, to conclude on this is like summarizing what you're saying. Cause I've not heard anybody say it quite this way. Maybe the spirit of it has been conveyed, but not this, this way. And that's your words of like holding intention, like the fun and the seriousness because it, because it is my hobby. And most people listening to this running is their hobby. I'd say 99.9%. It's a hobby and it's a hard one. And we have all reasons why we do it, but the seriousness and the playfulness because once the playfulness ends or once I'm, you know, play, playfulness is end by, has ended by mile 78, but I'll, I'll DNF. So it ended a long time ago, but I'm still going, but it's like that serious switch. And I got to kind of think through what that means for me. But I, I do feel like that seriousness switch. I, once I flip it on, that's also like turning on the lights to Narnia or at least the hallway that leads me to Narnia. So I feel like between the tension thing of seriousness and playfulness and Narnia, I think you've given me and all of us a lot of things, a lot to think about. I really like, I like that a lot. I'm going to be thinking about that today on my run. Final thought. What, what's next for you personally as a runner? Do you have anything on your calendar? Yeah. So Actually, you know, that, um, that race I did in Wiltshire race to the stones, um, that hundred K I, I actually got a bit of an injury from that. Uh, it was tendonitis and my foot oh. posterior tib, uh, overuse. And so I've been out from properly, you know, full volume training for, you know, a good seven, eight months. Um, Dang. 
So priority this year is to become an ultra runner again. (laughs) (laughs) So I have, um, I did have a race in the Lake District scheduled for April, but um, I've actually okay. cancelled that, trying to be wise and, and yeah. not sort of overdo it. Um, yeah. But I do have Mozart 100 um, by UTMB. Um, so that's hmm. in um, June, June the 1st. Okay. Where is so that at? It's in the Austrian Alps in Salzburg. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah, awesome. so it's a, it's a beast, you know. It's, um, it's not quite, you know – it's not quite a, you know, the hardest hundred K out there, but it's, uh, it's, I mean, it's tough. Like I say, don't underestimate uh, an ultra. Um, so I think it's like five and a half. Yeah. Five and a half thousand meters of, 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 so should be a great one. Um, but yeah, the really like, if you're asking my priority is just to get back to like full health so that I can start pursuing longer races. Um, and, and that's important because the, the, the thing I love about this sport is that you can do this until you're in your seventies if you yeah. take care of yourself. So that's why it. not take a year off or slow down every once in a while, because you've got your whole life to do this. Exactly. I'm still young. I just only just turned 29. So, uh, nice. you know, the, the, the races are all there for me. Yeah. I do want to do, I do want to do UTMB before it becomes too oversubscribed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man, I, I went last year just to observe because I'm a fan of the sport and I wanted to see yeah. an American American male finally get it. And it was everything I could have hoped for to see Jim yeah. and Zach come across. Only thing I wished is that in the sport, everyone's so nice to each other. I wish there was a little bit of shit talking between Jim and Zach, but they yeah. were, that's not who they are and that's fine. And that's also why I love them. But man, it was great. It was everything you could have wanted. I kind of wish Zach had gotten it, but... It, you know, to spend the money to go over there to see it, it was great. And I'm hopefully going to be back this year because we'll be living there. Yeah. I mean, Zach is like, he's the perfect example. He's someone who's like way too nice, like super <laughs> nice, like the nicest guy. Probably, you know, doesn't yeah. really seem like he takes it seriously. But I mean, he finds that dog there. He yes. finds that grit. I'm always surprised by Zach's performance at a race because it's like I follow him, I keep up with him. I'm like, are you training? Are you even a runner? And then he shows up at a race and he wins it. I'm like, I don't even, you're not even on my radar as someone who's like in the sport. So I think that you're done. And then you show up and you almost win UTMB. That's, yeah, that's yeah. why he's great. He knows how to get serious for yeah. sure. Yeah. All right, Tommy. Well, this is awesome. I'm super grateful. I look forward to talking to you again. Sweet man. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. It's been great. Right on. See you next time. Nice one. Cheers. Welcome to the world.